Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The next time you're shopping for mountain bike gear, check out singletracks.com slash deals. Each week, we share our favorite product picks and exclusive coupon codes from our partners. You can also use the page to search for whatever you're buying, from complete mountain bikes to brake sets and tire sealant. That's singletracks.com deals. And to get our weekly picks delivered to your inbox, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Links to the newsletter and deals page are in the show notes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Matt and Jero and I are going to be talking about current events, uh, coronavirus in particular, and we're going to talk a little bit about sort of what we're doing, how we're adapting what we do uh, on a day-to-day basis, and then we're also going to be, of course, talking about what's happening in the mountain bike world and potentially things that maybe are going to be a little bit different once we get back out on the trails. So let's start off by going around and talking about what's going on in our neck of the woods. Jero, how are you doing? What's going on there in Italy? I'm doing all right. Um, it's it's sunny, maybe mm, 70 something and uh, <laughs> real nice outside, but we're not allowed to go outside. So uh, yeah, I mean, just, just hanging out, hanging out inside, doing all kinds of different goofy workouts that I've never done before, hopefully getting a little stronger and, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, just wait until we can get out and ride again. Yeah. You've been inside. I mean, you guys have been locked down in Italy, uh, probably longer than anybody else. What, how long has it been? Do you have like a, you like a prisoner, like, you know, scratching on the wall, the days that you've been (laughs) stuck inside. I definitely, uh, have a physical calendar with some marks on it. Yes. Uh, yeah, it started the, the ninth of last month. Um, I wrote an article, I think a day or two before we got like the full lockdown and it, I was saying, you know, we're still allowed to ride and I'm going to ride kind of carefully and I don't want to end up in the hospital and mm-hmm. be a burden on the system, but that quickly ended. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, and it just shifted to nobody's allowed outside huge fines. If you go anywhere other than the grocery store or the pharmacy and you have to go there with a piece of paper saying when you left your house and uh, exactly where you're going. So yeah, they really cracked down hard and hopefully it's going to work. I mean, I'm, I would imagine it was necessary. So yeah. For you, Jero, like that, that, not just that you're in Italy, but you're in Northern Italy, which is like, I mean, it's even uh, hit Northern Italy more than the rest of the country. Right. Like, I mean, it's one of the hardest hit in the world for sure. Yeah. I mean, outside of China was kind of the, the next, the next spot that the virus kind of took over. And, uh, yeah, we're in, I'm in Piedmont, which is one region over our borders with Lombardia, which is definitely like the, the hot spot in Italy mm-hmm. and in Europe in general. Um, that shifted a bit. I know that Spain is, Folks in Spain are definitely suffering um, right now, and France. Um, I think you know some places. Germany and Poland are actually already lifting different sanctions, but we're all still. Everybody in Southern Europe still on total lockdown. Yeah. Damn. Crazy. Yeah, and here in the U.S., I mean, I guess we actually have more uh, cases and deaths, I think, than anywhere else in the world at this point. And yeah, Matt, you're in. Colorado how are things looking there things are starting to look up from a like a restriction uh, measurement perspective so I think we were probably one of the earlier non-coastal states to implement um, restrictions and like quarantine measures and that was it's about a week after I got back from Sedona so around March 20th and Mm -hmm. you know first it was the non-essential businesses like breweries and gyms um, and ski resorts. Ski resorts are actually one of the first businesses to uh, to shut down. And then after that, you know, then we got stay-at-home orders. And um, with that, it's like we've been able to go out and ride, 
but it has yeah i mean it's obviously not normal like there are definitely challenges to even going out and riding but yeah i mean those five maybe almost six weeks ago now and so now at least the hospitalizations seem to be plateauing a little bit and on sunday or actually it'll be monday morning um the orders will start to lift a little bit so some non-essential businesses will be allowed to open up you should be able to go get a haircut you can go into retail shops um you can hang out with groups of up to 10 people so the governor is starting to work into this next phase of handling the pandemic here in georgia i think uh just the other day they announced uh maybe it was yeah just a couple of days ago uh, our governor announced that all those places that you mentioned you know haircuts and restaurants and everything are going to be opening in the next few days, uh, which to a lot of people actually seems, saw that. seems kind of crazy. Yeah. There was, there was a poll like on one of the local news websites, you know, asking people if they thought it was too soon. And like 98% of the responses were, yes, it's too soon. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that, maybe that poll was biased. Maybe somebody flooded the comments. I don't know, but yeah, yeah it does seem weird um already like we've all gotten used to this like stuff being closed down and like being really cautious and yeah so it'll it'll be interesting for sure and you know um all of us work from home you know we all this is our full-time gig people ask me that a lot of times so just to be clear yeah matt and jero and i it's our full-time thing writing about mountain biking and podcasting and taking pictures and stuff and we all work from home uh so there hasn't been a lot in terms of like, you know, our daily work type stuff that's changed. Um, obviously, we haven't been able to travel. You know, Sea Otter was canceled and a lot of other events, some press camps that we had planned to attend. But yeah, I'm I'm holed up here in Georgia in my house uh, with kids and, you know, everything else that's going on. So yeah, it's, it's challenging. But yeah, unlike Jero at least here we're able to get outside. And so uh, that has been nice being able to get out and ride mountain bikes, you know, not traveling to go ride anywhere, not getting in the car to mm -hmm. do it, but um, yeah, riding trails that are close by and um, yeah. And the, the weather's been great, which is the sort of ironic thing about, you know, everybody having to curtail their mountain biking is, is man, this is the best time of year to be doing it. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's rough. It's, it's tough. So yeah, Jero, you kind of mentioned it, you know, and again, you're the one on the strictest uh, lockdown. So what have you been doing to adapt when you can't mountain bike? How are you staying in shape or getting your fix? Well, <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting my fix, but I'm, I'm doing the best <laughs> I can. Uh, you know, I'm really fortunate to have a trainer that I can ride so I can handle about an hour of that a day, like hang out, watch some you know, POV mountain bike runs and try and get my heart rate up for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And then just doing strength stuff. Like been sharing those too, which has been really cool. Uh, it seems like people are really into those kind of challenges. How, can you explain a little bit like how that works? And so people get an idea. Yeah, for sure. I just take, uh, somebody's POV video. So I've used a few from like Jesse Milamed's a good example. He's got tons of them from like all over the world that are really well done and mm -hmm. I'll just watch the thing and find you know different segments or things that he does like if he dabs or if he like sprints somewhere you know like make that an effort in the in the video and then watch the video mm -hmm. on the trainer and try and make the same you know just try and make the the trainer work out a little more interesting by like yeah you know, sprinting where it seems like he's climbing or when he goes to pass somebody sprint or different things like that, just to mm -hmm. kind of mix it up and, and just get off the saddle occasionally as well. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And what, what kind of trainer do you have? I couldn't tell you. It's not actually mine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one of those, um, like a rear wheel. And do you have it on a mountain bike or is it on a road bike? No, it's actually on my girlfriend's cross bike. Um, <laughs> and I just raise the saddle up and then put it back down when it's time for her to hop on it. Um, nice. yeah, it's, it's hers and she just, she has it for rainy days. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful she had that around. And then, 
Yeah, in addition to that, we've just been doing, I mean, I've probably done more strength work than I've ever done, so I might even come out of this stronger, <laughs> um, a little heavier, but hopefully that'll, you know, burn off the beer fat as soon as I get back on the trail and, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think, I think in general, like keeping fitness up is it's going okay, but being stuck in your house, the, the mental health side of it is, is still challenging. You know, it's just like, just stuck here looking at the same walls all the time is can be frustrating for sure. Yeah. And like, you know, people, a lot of times think, with our jobs, like, oh man, that must be great. It's like, you're, you get to like, think about mountain biking all day and like research it and, and all that, but it's really not a substitute for actually going mountain biking. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool if it was, but yeah, that and the, the wheelies in the backyard are not, yeah, they don't make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I've definitely been taking some time to build, uh, on our little, we've got a little backyard trail um, that, yeah, I can ride and, and my seven-year-old son likes to ride on his bike and we've got, uh, uh, what's it called? A McLeod. We got a McLeod tool that I got like, I don't know, a year and a half ago and I hadn't really used it before. And so I'm finally like putting my McLeod to use and we're like carving little berms and stuff. So that's been fun for sure. And building ramps too. Um, I built this, sweet. I built this kicker, like, Oh man, probably a year ago, maybe longer. Um, and I've been meaning to post photos and write it up on single tracks, but, um, honestly, before I, I built this thing, I used plans from Phil Metz, one of his videos, mm -hmm. he showed how to build a kicker and then like a little landing ramp. And so I built both of those. And when I was done, honestly, I was like too scared to actually hit it. I don't know. I don't know why, but I was like, you know, once I actually had it, I was like, oh man, this thing looks, looks kind of dangerous. And so like I rolled them and stuff, but I had never actually like launched off the kicker before yesterday. I guess that was just yesterday. Time's time's weird right now. But yesterday I actually was like, all right, I'm going to hit it. And I did, and I didn't die. And so yeah, I'm, I'm going to be Sweet. practicing jumping now, which is cool. Um, the image from Napoleon Dynamite got in your head where he just like runs into the jump and it collapses. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Funny, funny story is like I built it out of, um, so it's a, it's a ramp and it's made out of plywood obviously. And I watched Phil's video and basically to like make the plywood bend the way you want it to, like you have to get it really wet. Um, and Phil had a hard time with his, he used like half inch plywood or maybe it was only quarter inch, but it still was, he was like, this is really hard to do. And so I bought, um, instead of plywood, I bought underlayment, which is like really thin. It's like eighth inch or something. And, um, anyway, I put that stuff on and left it out over the winter and it just like completely disintegrated. So yeah, I'm hitting this ramp. That's just like, it, it just looks like bark or something like it's all just peeled away but yeah somehow it held up old cardboard yeah <laughs> no i think for me it's the angle like you look at the angle of the ramp and you just yeah. imagine hitting it and it, your bike just like going straight up in the air like a rocket and like not coming back down <laughs> so nice yeah but yeah getting better at that getting better at i'm practicing wheelies a lot too as well um, but yeah, and feel, feel really fortunate that I have a yard at least where I can do that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. Matt, you're still able to do a little bit of biking, right? Uh, seems like you have pretty good access to trails. For the most part, it, and it's changed like as everything else has changed. Um, it's so like at first, you know, and kind of realizing, okay, we're going to be in this pandemic and people started getting laid off. He had, the trails just got absolutely flooded with people because, you know, people aren't going to work, um, can't go to gyms or wherever. And so everybody's getting outside and they're getting on the trails. And it quickly became apparent that it was like, for myself, like it wasn't going to be a good idea to go for lunch rides or basically just not go to a trailhead uh, if I wasn't there by like 7 a.m. and had my ride done by 
you know, eight or nine or mm-hmm. something like that to where I could get on with the rest of the day. So mainly just avoiding peak times. But yeah, we still have some good trails close to home too, which again, I'm pretty fortunate for. But yeah, I mean, definitely mountain biking less, road biking more, because it's, I mean, you can do a lot of that just right out your door. And so, yeah, avoiding peak times, road biking more. And it's definitely helped. Like Saturday, I got out for a really, like a three hour road ride, and um, it's just nice to get out for a little while and like clear the head. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, on top of that, when you get out for like a really long ride, like you feel kind of crushed and you're like, okay, now it feels all right being at home. So it, it kind of, <laughs> Kind of made the day better after that and the weekend better. Yeah, it's nice. definitely a good stress relief to get out mm-hmm. for a long ride. Yeah, even if it's not a mountain bike ride. And Matt, you're still getting a chance to test some different things on your gravel bike, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, That's, That's cool. cool. The good thing is, like, there's this, it's a, yeah, I guess it's a state park uh, just up the road from us. And so it's a bunch of really mellow trails, and it's easy to take the gravel bike on, and they dry up pretty quickly um so yeah yep still keeping the wheels turning like a decent amount which has been really really nice um all solo rides too and that's i mean obviously something most of us had to think about if we can still ride and so i've basically just chosen to ride alone um yeah at least until the next week's up and we can legally group ride again yeah taking less risks yeah trying not to do any stupid things on the bike. Yeah. I know I went on a, a group ride um, kind of early on, like before we really knew kind of how serious this was, but we were starting to think like, okay, maybe this is serious. And some of the restrictions were starting to come in place, but, um, and I'm not, let me preface this too. I'm not a germaphobe, but like in any way, like I'm, yeah, I'm usually very comfortable with that kind of stuff, Yeah, but it felt weird. Like I was riding, you know, single track and there's like a couple people in front of me, a couple people behind me. And all of a sudden I was like really conscious of like, wait, am I breathing in the same air that like the guy in front of me is breathing out? And maybe it was the pollen, this pollen season here. So I could see stuff like floating in the air, but yeah, it right. just felt weird. I was like, ah, <laughs> this doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel right. And I think you kind of alluded to that too, that like, you know, while you're allowed to ride and it's perfectly legal, you're not breaking any rules for a number of reasons right now. It just, it just doesn't feel the same. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, nothing like nothing. Like it's cool that we can ride. Um, and it like, it's helped tremendously, I think. But even when I have gone off for a ride, it, it still kind of feels like this thing in the back of my head. that's like, okay, should I be doing this straight now? Like there's definitely a lot <laughs> yeah. less people out. And then at the same time, like I am worried about my own risk more. So yeah, it's not the same. And when I was going, or when I have gone to trail or to trail heads, there have been police officers or county sheriffs uh, monitoring the trail heads because uh, they ended up getting so busy here that our county, Jefferson County, was uh, employing sheriffs to go monitor social distancing at the trail heads. So it's like. If you're like wrapping up a ride and you see like this chair, uh, sheriff like coming through the parking lot to like check you out, it's like, what the hell? Like, is this dude gonna say something to me for riding my bike? Yeah. Like, it, I, it just feels weird. Huh. All right. Well, let's talk in more general terms about like what's going on in the mountain bike world beyond us and, you know, sort of the, the things that we cover. So, uh, I want to talk first about racing and athletes. Obviously, a lot of races have been canceled and, you know, it seems like they're getting canceled even farther and farther out. Um, I can't think, are there, are there any events like big races happening even in June that you guys know of? It feels like things are canceled at least through June. Yeah. Everything I've seen has been pushed out till mid August at least. And then like, it seems like the whole EWS and world cup is going to be a fall event this year if it happens. So, um, could be a lot of exciting racing to watch but that seems super stressful for the from the athletes point of view like trying to figure out how to chill now and retrain when they just you know some of them were Mm -hmm. probably peaking for the first race and now they got to figure out how to turn that around that's i mean bodies don't exactly work that way so (laughs) yeah it's gonna be difficult for sure yeah 
And one of the events that we were going to cover, Matt, was Crankworks uh, in August. And I guess that one mm-hmm. still hasn't been canceled. But the other two, the first two Crankworks events uh, for this year have been canceled, right? What do you think? What are the chances you think that Crankworks Whistler is going to go off? Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, cause I know that was there around this month that was rescheduled to the fall uh, Innsbruck, maybe? Mm-hmm. But even with the Whistler one, like when our quarantine, when everybody's quarantine restrictions do lift up, it's not just going to be like a free-for-all. I don't think a lot of people are going to go back to traveling the way that they were. You know, in August, like, there's a lot of people that go to Crankworks, and so it's going to be really challenging for them. Uh, I mean, you can be in line for 20, 25 minutes before you get on a chairlift. The line's that long. And so how are they going to manage keeping the chairs sanitary, keeping people apart? Because... Mm. I feel like at that point, social distancing is still going to be in effect in places. Um, and yeah, it could be up to the next year, but I, certainly within four months, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really, really challenging for them to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, that that's tough for sure. Jero, you've been interviewing a lot of athletes. I guess a lot of them have time on their hands or if they don't have time, at least they're yeah. <laughs> they're around their home base and able to sit down for a few minutes and talk. What are the athletes you're talking with? Uh, how are they adapting to this? You know, a lot of folks seem to be just kind of taking a step back and they're like, okay, it's time to quit the intensity and maybe go ride my road bike. And, you know, like they got to get off the the race program in terms of training, um, you know, because their, their season peak has, has got to shift drastically now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they, if they get to race at all. And it seems like a lot of folks are kind of taking a different look at the season. And I've seen like, if you look at their YouTube channels and things like that, a bunch of them are like starting to make different videos and showing skills and, you know, just like trying to find different ways to kind of have show value to their sponsors or mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but you know, they just want to, <laughs> yeah. they just want to do something and be like, Hey, I'm not just like sitting around playing video games. Like I mm-hmm. still am a professional athlete. I'm, <laughs> I want to, you know, sort of share what's going on here. So yeah, there's, there's been a pretty big reset and thankfully yeah, a lot of them have been stoked to kind of share the story of what's going on with them. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it is interesting that that they are a lot of them are shifting and yeah, you're definitely seeing more videos and um, the athletes now have time to create content, which is is interesting and at least is keeping a lot of us entertained. The other thing that I think about is, you know, every athlete, especially if you're talking about like on the super elite level, like World Cup level, every athlete is affected differently. Right. So like the Italian athletes, for example, are like you, Jero, like they can't even leave their houses. So even if right. they wanted to train, or I mean, I'm sure they do want to train, um, they they aren't able to train at the same level as, say, somebody, you know, here in the U.S. who's still able to go out and go for long rides and ride trail and, and do all those sorts of things. So it seems like it'll definitely, once things do open back up and competition starts again, seems like Athletes could be kind of, some could be at a disadvantage uh, while others, you know, come through it okay. For sure. Yeah, there's definitely that question of like, is it even going to be fair once racing reopens or if mm-hmm. racing, you know, we, we have a racing season because, yeah, like you're saying, there's so many people that just can't really train. Like, no matter how hard you pedal and, you know, take your anger out on a trainer, it's nothing <laughs> like, if, if you're training for especially a gravity uh, yeah. sport or even cross country. Like it's nothing like actually riding a trail at all. It's definitely, you, know, you can get, get the effort, but there's no skill work and you know, you're not going to get that in the gym either. So it's, it's tough. Hmm. Well, Matt, one of the last things you did before everything sort of went into lockdown was, uh, you went to the Sedona bike fest and that's sort of in the area of like tourism, you know, Sedona is a place that people, mm travel from all over the country even probably from all over the world to ride the amazing trails there um what are you seeing is happening or going on with the tourism part of mountain biking i right now it's like all the smaller towns 
it's funny because when all this started happening, a lot of mountain bikers, I think, thought, oh, cool, like I can socially distance on my bike. I'm going to go, you know, I don't have to work for the next few weeks. Like I'm going to go hit some sweet trails. <laughs> and then, you know, places like uh, Crested Butte and Moab were like, uh, no, stay home. Like <laughs> we have our own healthcare situation to worry about. Right. And so, yeah, and then in Sedona as well, they had to start shutting down their trailheads because, you know, they had the same problem. A lot of places were having and that too many people were going, the parking lots were getting too crowded. Um, and so they had to shut it down. And, you know, Sedona, like a lot of other towns, relies heavily on tourist dollars. As we kind of phase into this next level of the pandemic and like the stabilization phase and um, figuring out how to live with it, um, tourist towns are not going to see the same level of business. Um, you know, with the ski resorts, it's like, in june so what a month month and a half maybe seven weeks from now we usually see the bike parks open up Mm -hmm. um right now they're pretty safe because it's going into mud season and this transition from uh spring to summer but i don't think a lot of towns i don't think many towns are going to be open at capacity Mm -hmm. um for summer so yeah, I think a lot of small businesses are going to feel it, especially in mountain towns, maybe more so than others, um, because those towns, often a lot of people are traveling to as well. And if people aren't traveling as much and are still being advised to stay near home, then, yeah, it's definitely going to have some some hard consequences for them. Yeah, definitely. A, a good number of our advertisers for single tracks, you know, on the podcast and on the website are tourism uh, groups. And a lot of that, yeah, gets pretty busy in the summer that's when we sell a lot of ads and things and we're definitely seeing pullback in that where these um like cities and towns and resorts and places yeah they're just like hold on we're hitting pause like we're not yeah (laughs) we're not sure when this is going to be over and you know when people are going to be able to start coming back here safely and so yeah that's that's kind of hitting hitting us in that way but definitely hitting them much much harder for sure. And when it, when it comes to tourist economies, I mean, Italy almost is a resort uh, in terms of how much the <laughs> country depends on tourism dollars yeah. to function. And, you know, even if all of the social distancing decrees and everything were dropped and it was fine to, to do whatever you want all of a sudden, there's so many people without work right now without any paychecks that Mm. you know i think there's just going to be it's going to be a while before we see tourism numbers pick back up um to where people have extra cash to go on vacation and and even when they do like going on vacation closer to where you live might make more sense at that point Mm -hmm. yeah and and it's important to point out too that a lot of these tourism operators you know we're not just talking about like you know, Vail Resorts or like some big hotel chain or whatever, you know, we're talking in mountain biking, there's like guiding companies, right? Like people who put on mountain bike tours and, you know, they've seen their business go basically to zero. I mean, they're, they're not bringing in any money unless people are signing up for tours. And, you know, one of the examples here uh, in Georgia is Mulberry Gap, you know, which is a mountain bike, you know, they're, they're, uh, sort of a cabin resort place up in the mountains and they rely a lot on mountain bikers and also trail runners and other people who are there to enjoy the outdoors to come out. And, um, you know, initially I think they tried to stay open and, you know, to do adapt, do the things that would make people feel comfortable in coming and staying. Um, but I think they pretty quickly realized like nobody's coming, you know, people aren't, Mm -hmm. aren't, comfortable doing that right now and so they've had to shut down and you know again like that's your business is basically going from a business to to nothing and it's going to be really tough i think for a lot of these smaller groups uh really to stay in business yeah i feel like we'll see a lot of a lot of thinning out unfortunately Mm -hmm. you know like we saw with trust performance they're putting all their operations on on hold um and didn't really say if they were going to pick up um Mm -hmm. like it's basically just an indefinite pause maybe they will there's a chance they didn't say they're done permanently but 
you know, it's a bummer because the economy had been roaring. Like it, you know, saw a lot of businesses and a lot of uh, startups. And now I think we're going to see some thinning out, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. The same is true for races and other event promoters. I mean, those are all essentially small and sometimes larger businesses. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to get any business this year. So that's going to, that's going to hurt them for sure. It's interesting too, Matt, you know, you bring up brands like trust performance and part of their problem, um, from what I understand was getting supplies in a lot of their suppliers yeah. were overseas and had shut down. Um, and, and actually when I interviewed Chris, a guy from Niner on the podcast, uh, several weeks ago, this was really early on, and um, this was actually before we started recording. He and I were just talking, and he was mentioning how, um, you know, he thought this was going to have a huge impact, um, especially on their supply chain. And at the time, yeah, I just thought like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, sure enough, it, it has had a huge effect on a lot of people in the industry. And, you know, it's not just toilet paper <laughs> that we can't find right now, right? Like, you know, if you... Yep. If you have bike frames that are in production, like those aren't showing up. And so brands are definitely struggling. One group though, that seems to be doing well is online retailers, even online bike retailers. Yeah. Um, Cause we've seen that with a lot of shops shutting down or even if they're open again, people just kind of like trying to stay closer to home and not go out unless they have to. Um, it does seem like online sales have picked up a bit. Have you seen any of that, Matt? I know you're working on a story about uh, people buying bikes during this time. Uh, what's what have you found over there? Um, yeah, it's still in development. But I talked with an, another Matt uh, who's runs marketing for the Pros Closet last week, and yeah, they've seen a pretty big increase in demand uh, for bikes and. The interesting thing about them is that they're a used retailer, um, kind of like a used car dealership, basically. <laughs> so they'll take used bikes, uh, inspect them, you know, check them for quality, price them according to an algorithm, and then sell them. And so they can do that online and they can ship uh, bikes to people. But yeah, they've seen a lot more interest in, in bikes. And yeah, a lot of these big brands, Specialized Trek, are starting to ship directly to um, customers' houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think for most of us, we can just tell from walking out in our neighborhood, we're seeing like a lot more people on bikes, like a lot more families riding around and um, just enjoying their bikes. And so it does seem kind of like this uh, uh, a good and kind of weird uh, consequence in that nobody can go to the gym or exercise like they used to. And now they're like, oh, sweet that bike that's been sitting in the back of the garage for three years still works pretty good. Um, and we'll go take it for a spin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw, well, I've seen a number of people now, but, um, one day saw a couple of guys riding these two like super vintage mountain bikes and both of them though looked brand new, you know, it was like somebody bought a bike like in the nineties, maybe early 2000s and rode it a few times and now you know they just sat at the back of their garage and now they're finally getting it back out again and yeah it's mm -hmm. funny to see that and i think we're also seeing people um you know fixing up old bikes and trying to figure out like okay like what kind of tire do i need for this we're seeing a lot more of those kind of questions on the single tracks forums um and you know again we can kind of see that people are ordering parts online um, here in Georgia, and I think in a lot of other places, bike shops have been deemed essential businesses. And so people are able to get their bikes worked on, you know, get into shape for going out and riding, um, which is, is definitely a good thing. And then along the lines you were talking about earlier, too, with Trek and Specialized and Giant uh, offering their bikes for sale online and having them shipped directly to consumers. Uh, yeah, we're seeing other brands also sort of relaxing who's allowed to sell their bikes. And so, yeah, now you can get a salsa bike. You can order it on REI and they'll ship it to your house or uh, Adventuron, which is another uh, online retailer. And so, 
Yeah, that's definitely a big shift. And I guess we'll talk a little bit more later about sort of whether these changes are going to last and, and how it might change sort of the world of mountain biking going forward. But it's definitely been a, a big shift that happened quickly. And um, yeah, it's interesting to see how it's working out. Yeah, and it is definitely more complicated to go to a bike shop right now. Um, I mean, ones around here are doing curbside um, pickup. And so like you can go and maybe they'll have people outside just waiting and uh, to check you in or check mm -hmm. out your bike. Um, but it's more complicated than just like taking your bike in whenever you want and being like, yo, what's going on with my shifter? Right. And so like I ran into the same issues and just built a bike up um, and did it on my own because um, it's, yeah, it is essential but they have their own repairs to worry about. Like they're trying to get people that really need their bikes. And so to be like, Hey, help me out with my sick custom build that I'm trying to put together right now that I can't really ride. Um, yeah, it's definitely made a, a call for working on your own bike a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And especially right. It's a good distinction between like commuter bikes and recreational bikes. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's definitely the priority is on commuters and, um, there's a local bike nonprofit here in town where they're uh, soliciting donations of bikes that are like ready to ride that they can get to uh, healthcare workers and, you know, grocery store employees and people like that yeah. to use for transportation. Um, and it's perfect timing actually for me, we had like cleaned our garage out. Like I guess a lot of other people are doing right now and um, have a couple bikes to donate, including the, actually the Schwinn, uh, Axum that I tested Schwinn uh, said I could hold on to it and give it away and so yeah it's it's in a box and in pretty much like new condition and so that's one I'm going to donate for sure it would be a good commuter bike oh, for somebody cool. so let's talk about journalism that's that's the business we're in that's what we do how has this changed for you guys Jero um, let you start with that like what What's your thinking now in terms of stories? What are the kinds of stories you're reading? And then what are the kinds that like you feel are appropriate to be writing right now? I'm definitely trying to um, consider everyone's situation when I'm writing, like and consider the fact that some people are not writing, some people are writing more, um, and that this the, the pandemic has a different effect on every area. Um, and considering that particularly when I'm writing opinion pieces and you know, like my experience of what's going on is totally different than what's going on where Matt lives or where you live. And, and it's mm -hmm. just, it's a different story all over the world. And then also really trying to, um, like we talked about earlier, like trying to check in with athletes and see what's going on with them. Like a big question for me is like, what's, what's happening with race promoters and with event promoters and athletes and people that like, even more than us, their lives depend on riding bikes and on other people riding bikes, you know, and mm -hmm. what's, what's that look like for them, um, moving forward. Yeah. And then I guess I've tried to think of like some different ways that I can make things, I guess, interesting for folks who are stuck inside. So things mm -hmm. like the, the trainer workouts and different stuff like that, like, you know, just, what what can be done um when you're not able to get outside like definitely trying to remember to add some uh strength workouts to those and remind people to like we're gonna need to get our forearms strong and all that kind of stuff <laughs> like once we're able to get back on the get back on the bike it's gonna be difficult so yeah just trying to think through all the different people's experiences and and uh share stories that relate yeah i saw somebody posted i'm sure they copied it from somewhere else but they were saying that like you know this whole coronavirus pandemic you know it's like we're all in the same storm uh, but everyone's in a different boat right and so yeah mm -hmm. I mean, some people have lost their job and you know they're really um, just trying to focus on the day-to-day -day. other people are doing fine and you know they're sitting in their house and they're bored and they have all the time in the world to ride their bikes right now um, so yeah, we're all, we're all in different boats for sure. It's affecting everyone differently and choosing stories that kind of, um, I, I don't know, I guess like highlight all the different situations people are in. Yeah. I think is, is really important right now. 
Matt, you've been doing sort of more news, newsy coverage, I guess, of the pandemic, um, at least of the three of us. What's kind of your thought on our role on, on a site, a publication like Single Tracks uh, during a time like this? Yeah, it's been kind of weird because when everything started happening in March, like I went to Sedona, the mountain bike festival, and I think that was my, f- I think that was my first uh, work trip of the year. But then within like the next few weeks after that, I had a trip to Durango lined up, a uh, press camp in St. George, Utah. And then those were like a week apart from each other. And then we had Sea Otter a few weeks after that, mm-hmm. which would have been last week. Sedona worked out. And then when I got back from that, like everything was kind of like falling apart. Everything was getting canceled. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh gosh, like what do we do now? Like all our events are canceled. What do we talk about? Yeah. And <laughs> it kind of seemed like it was going to be this um, news coverage from mainstream news sites that, you know, are really covering like how the virus is spread, how it's affecting people, how many people are dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you realize like, okay, this is, uh, it, it's affecting every single facet and cavity of life. Um, and so for any journalist, like you're talking about how uh, coronavirus is impacting um, your beat. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of weird because it's it's been like a pretty interesting impact on the outdoor and mountain bike space from, you know, like small business has been a huge topic in economic talks about coronavirus. And so it's the same for the mountain bike world and um, kind of dove into how few small businesses and freelancers were feeling the impact at first, Um, you know, and then trailheads crowding everywhere from Sedona to Vancouver to Colorado. I think everybody has noticed kind of this uptick in uptick in people out in outdoor spaces and yeah. And, you know, parks closing, trailheads closing. And then in New Zealand where like the health minister, what he ended up getting demoted because he was, he, well, first he drove to a beach, which is I think like 10 or 15 miles away from where he lived. (laughs) And then he got caught driving to a trailhead, which was like two miles away from where he lived and somebody reported it. And then it sounds like he got demoted by New Zealand's prime minister. Um, yeah, yeah, he's a bit of a hypocrite. Yeah, even though you could, mountain bike at the time is just like, okay, you're setting the example for the entire country on what we should and shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw a quote from him somewhere, and it was like, it's a really mellow trail network, um, <laughs> you know, a two-mile drive. Yeah. Still, I don't know. I kind of feel for him, but I get it that, yeah, he's got to be the example to to set for their nation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just been a really, really interesting way that it's kind of impacted like our space. Yeah, it's it is. I think it's a challenge. You know, I kind of go back and forth between like what kinds of stories should we be publishing and promoting right now? And it's like on the one hand, there is sort of responsibility to report the news and like, you know, making sure people are informed in terms of what's going on, like, what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Um, Sort of the news side of it. And then of course, there's also, also this aspect of like, well, people are tired of reading that stuff, right? They can read that stuff in the news and and hear it various other places. Um, And, you know, a lot of our readers want an escape. And so, yeah, trying to look for ways to provide that, um, in a way that's still like, again, respectful of like what everybody is going through and um, not trying to trivialize or or anything, you know, what's going on. So yeah, it's definitely a challenging time. Uh, But yeah, I do feel like we've been, it's given us an opportunity to be creative and to really think about uh, what we're writing and, and why we're writing it. So the last kind of group I want to talk about is the everyday trail rider, you know, our listeners and our readers, you know, most of them are not in the bike industry. And so, you know, it's more like, what does this look like for, for me as a mountain biker? Like this is my hobby or this is my passion, you know, how can I keep doing it? And, um, and yeah, I think like we've said, it affects people depending where you live 
and what your situation is. It, it affects everybody in different ways. But um, Jarrell, what are your friends talking about there in Italy? Are they um, able to adapt? Are they finding ways to um, at least stay engaged with mountain biking or is, or is it just like, you know, out of their minds for right now? Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of discussion around like what trails we're going to need to work on first. And, <laughs> you know, um, it's been pretty dry fortunately around here. So the, the trails should be relatively in decent shape, but like, yeah, once we're allowed to get out, there's going to be tons of, of brush work to do. So there's been a lot of chat about that. And then like, everybody's always keeping each other up on the latest thing they hear from the government about like maybe there's tons of jokes like maybe at first we'll be allowed to go on mountain bike rides but only if you ride a triple 26 inch and then like (laughs) you know there's just like endless examples of that like you can ride a mountain bike but not with a dropper and (laughs) (laughs) so there, yeah there seems to be like a pretty good um humor thread going around from what i've heard uh, and then friends back in Oregon are mostly still riding. Um, they, they can't drive to the trails for the most part, so, but they're still getting out and, and getting some exercise, which is good. Mm, clearing their yeah. heads. Has anyone there, uh, been like riding rogue at all? Like, does anyone, have you heard of anyone going out at like night and just like riding the trails or anything like that? Um, I'm sure it happens. You know, there's a lot of people that live in the woods that I'm, you know, there's nobody around to enforce anything and there's nobody around for them to like pass a virus to. So as long as they don't Mm. get hurt, it doesn't probably matter much. I should probably eat those words, but (laughs) anyway, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure there are people who are, um, there's been something like 40,000 fines handed out for people like just being out even probably mostly in the city. Um, people just being out, not doing what they were supposed to be doing. I mean, we're really only allowed to like walk a dog around the block, go to the grocery store, go to the pharmacy. That's it. So Hmm. yeah, I would imagine that's where most of those fines are, are at. As far as I know, nobody's, nobody's admitting to go on going on like rogue rides, but I'm, I'm sure it's (laughs) happening. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be. Yeah, Matt, it sounds like where you are, um, I mean, it's it's mostly business as usual. I mean, it sounds like the trails are pretty busy. Are people, do you think there are more people or less people riding? Like, do you have any sense of that? I would probably say more people uh, in general. Um, hmm. More people that aren't typically out riding, I would say are. Mm-hmm. And I think more of like the core set of riders or, um, you know, really big mountain bike enthusiasts have kind of realized that like, there's more of like a beginner level crowd out there right now. And it's better just to like dial back or change your own riding habits, either go at night early in the morning, um, or road ride for the time being. Um, because just regular trail riding out here has been a challenge, whether it's, um, the amount of traffic on the trails, finding a parking spot, or just even, you know, driving to the trailheads, which you're not supposed to leave your county. So if you live in Denver County, which is, um, I don't know, 10 miles outside of Jefferson County and you're a mountain biker, which there are plenty of mountain bikers in Denver County, then you're not supposed to go to the trails in Jefferson County to ride. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have not cared about that um but I, th- I think there's a lot more also jefferson county, uh, county residents you know around golden and lakewood that haven't ridden forever and now have extra time on their hands and and want to go for a trail ride and I, like i've definitely seen a lot of those people out um old hardtails no helmet but, <laughs> uh just out riding regular mountain bike trails that yeah are definitely beginners so yeah i mean i think probably more beginner entry-level riders on the trail and then enthusiasts are, are realizing they kind of have to change their habits if they want to have an enjoyable ride. Yeah. I have that same sense that for core riders, they're probably riding less, you know, a lot of the people that mm-hmm. are used to around here, the people that would like, you know, drive up to North Georgia and do a big, you know, 50 mile loop with 6,000 feet of climbing on the weekend. They're not, not able to do that right now. Um, 
or they they just don't feel like that's a responsible thing to do and so they're riding shorter rides and things like that but then like you said there's this group of people who are maybe don't ride at all or maybe they only ride like a couple times a year and all of a sudden they're out on their bikes and they're on the trails uh, which is good so yeah it's a different crowd and and so the people that don't ride much are riding more. The people who ride a lot are probably riding less. Um, we're kind of all maybe yeah. heading toward the middle, which is interesting. Yeah, I know for me, one of the things that I would look forward to every week is a, a Tuesday night ride. And obviously we've had to stop doing those. And the the group though we have like, we have a good text message thread going where people are sharing photos from their solo rides and kind of joking back and forth like Jero is with his buddies about what's going on out there and you know what we're going to do when we're able to get back together I think some of the some of the guys even do like a virtual happy hour where they get on zoom or whatever and Tuesday night kind of recreate the after ride beer sesh and uh it's obviously it's not the same but at least it's something and then one of the other things that we've been seeing around here is um trail building so people have time now to build trails you know either backyard trails or or cleaning up various trails around town um, which has been a good thing and it's been really good too to to get people more spread out so a lot of the trails that we have you know there will be like the main trail where everybody goes and then people will build these sort of like offshoot trails and stuff and um, it's been good to see those popping up and, and spreading people out a little bit more uh, during this time. All right. So obviously a lot has changed in the mountain bike world or a lot is really different right now. And so the question I want to end on is, you know, what do we see as being like permanent changes from this um, positive or negative, though? It would be great if we could end on a positive note <laughs> right. wherever possible. And um, yeah, I know we did this, we have our like weekly video chat and, um, as a team and we've been doing it more frequently, uh, during this time. And this is one of the things that we talked about before was like, what are some positive things that are going to come out of this? Have you guys been able to reflect on that anymore? Jero, I know for you, it's, it's the toughest because you've been impacted uh, more than anybody else. But, um, do you mm. see any good things that are going to come out of this for mountain biking? Yeah. I mean, the kind of immediate thing, I'm looking out my window and the sky is like bluer than ever. Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, it, the, the most immediate thing that comes to mind is just like the pollution is down so much and our city is talking a lot about putting in new bike lanes to take off some of the load from, um, public transportation so maybe Hmm. it'll make getting to the trails and getting around town a little safer and then i think there's going to be a lot more people given the number of people who are like out of jobs or can't go back to work right away there's going to be a lot of people riding closer to home so maybe our Hmm. our local trails will have a few more hands working on them which would be nice um And then with fewer events, you know, it's a bummer to not have events and races and press camps and all the fun things that we enjoy every year. But that can also mean like more bike packing and more camping, um, mm-hmm. just different different kinds of adventures with maybe fewer friends. But, uh, you know, those things can be really good as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole idea of like riding locally and not getting in the car to go ride um, seems like that could definitely be catching on with people i know for me i've started to discover and rediscover uh actually fun trails to ride that are near me and i don't need to drive to you know the the trailhead where everybody's going on the weekends you know i can kind of stick to my local trails and have fun and maybe other people are discovering the same thing yeah for sure there's i think three good trail systems outside of Torino where I live that are all you know normally we would drive to them They're, it's a you know under an hour drive but you can mm-hmm. also ride there in an hour and an hour and a half maybe and oh, wow. you know sure it's gonna burn your rear tire but <laughs> I don't know it's I would I would take it happily right now so yeah um, I think there'll be more people riding to those kind of things especially like w- before any of the regions open up because I think 
different businesses are going to open up first and our ability to go outside is going to be loosened up before you know the the freeways are the freeways and the borders are opened up so mm -hmm. probably be yeah. riding to the ride quite a bit more yeah that's cool if you get a whole saturday and that's all you can do like three four hours on the bike with you know 10 miles of uh of road in between the house and the trail system like that's not a bad way to get in get an epic ride in totally it's not terrible yeah i did one of those this past weekend and yeah it was a lot of fun that's something that i'll definitely do again and it'll be even more fun though with friends you know i think for me um in the short term, I feel like this feeling is, is going to uh, fade away after, I don't know, two years, maybe something like that, a few years. But I think it's going to feel really, really, really sweet to, um, you know, hop in the car with a buddy and drive to a trailhead and ride for a few hours and then mm -hmm. go to a brewery afterwards. Like yeah. just something you really took for granted before is going to feel pretty freaking awesome afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, it, like both of you guys mentioned, with small businesses possibly thinning out, um, I mean, we'll see, but like the peak in people that are gaining interest in the outdoors right now and in bikes um, could still be a really, really positive thing for a lot of businesses staying afloat. Um, so maybe the bike industry picks up a set of new customers. Um, and yeah, maybe those same people that are enjoying the outdoors right now more than they have in a long time uh, gain a greater appreciation for being outdoors and um, all the health aspects that come from that, uh, whether it's your mental or physical health. And yeah, maybe they appreciate the environment a little bit more afterwards. Yeah, I think we will see a lot more bikers. I hope we will. Anyway, once this is all over, mm -hmm. people rediscovering the sport i know i have several friends who you know maybe they mountain biked in college or you know before they had kids and uh they all of a sudden they get their bike back out and they're like huh this is kind of fun maybe i'll start doing this again i feel i really hope that a lot of those people stick with it and um i think sort of the industry is quickly trying to make it easier for those types of people and for all people to get on bikes um, you know, that's always been something that they're trying to do. Uh, but I think this has really forced them to look at all kinds of things from how people buy bikes to how they get service to all of those things. And hopefully, um, you know, we'll able to, we'll be able to keep doing those things and making it easy for people. Yeah, for sure. And to kind of piggyback on Matt's point about, you know, kind of not taking things for granted, I think it's, just in general for a lot of people it's going to feel amazing to get back outside and ride and whether they've been riding and that means like getting back to a point where they can kind of like let go and really enjoy it again and stop you know maybe being nervous if that if they are um mm -hmm. or just getting out and riding at all it's I, I mean i've this is the longest i've ever been off my mountain bike since i can remember even with a broken shoulder it wasn't this long so yeah um so for i mean for a lot of folks it's gonna really like renew their love it might really renew their love of the sport and and passion and that could be helpful in a whole bunch of ways yeah i think yeah absolutely i think with all the um you know again seeing trail building happening here on like a really local level um, but i think we'll also see you know, governments and land managers realizing that there is a huge demand for trails. And if trails are overcrowded right now, yeah. maybe that means we need more trails. And so, um, you know, we've seen, we track every month, uh, all the new mountain bike trail openings that we hear about around the world. And over the last couple of months, it's been like nothing. I mean, it's been crickets. Nobody's opening new trails. Um, you know, I mean, for one, you, you can't have like a grand opening sort of ribbon cutting ceremony, but also, it, you know, organizing work days is harder. But um, all that's to say, once things get back to quote unquote normal, um, I, I'm hoping that there's going to be this explosion in new trails and and people being open to having more trails uh, everywhere because clearly people want them. Yeah. Definitely a new demand for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there'll 
it and the trails that we have might get even better um potentially mm. just with more folks i mean i know here there's going to be more people staying in town and riding because we have a good network and there's a lot of folks that leave town on the weekend but i think there's going to be a lot less of that so hopefully we'll get mm. some more work done yeah cool so this has been uh interesting discussion for sure not the one that we thought we'd be having you know earlier this year but definitely is timely and seeing what's going on it's been good to check in with you guys um, and to hear about what's happening in the mountain bike world if you want to keep up with more news of course be sure to subscribe to the single tracks newsletter and check the website every day where we have lots of new articles and videos to share with you that's all we've got this week. Talk to you again next week. Peace.